And now, welcome to this episode, the Kiki Coronavirus episode of Pancom Podcast. <laughs> 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 Alright, so uh, welcome to a new Pancom Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm here with our, our host, Oof. Blue Ribbon Chili winner. <laughs> We're back to that. Huh? Back to that. Uh, and also, uh, sorry, I, sh- I should. Uh, you're you're really and co. This is Nick and co. As oh, one of our right. as one of our listeners put it uh, in an Instagram post. So many thanks to uh, to Jenny for recognizing uh, this the is real Pancom sto- podcast by Nick and company by Nick and co. Yes, uh, but no, we are uh, we're here at Ariette in the front patio oh. this time. Actually, Ari- is this Nave's patio? This Ariette's is actually patio? Nave's patio. Nave's patio, um, and we are in the thick of the uh, Kiki Corona. 19 virus um breaking our social distancing rules here just a little bit by we're still like three feet apart from each other yeah but my hands have been all over that microphone so i'm basically writing your mouth um so let us uh recap a moment you do you do all current events well we're not going to do current events because we've talked about current events tell people where we're at in the world what's happening people are sick uh the uh the chinese are kicking journalists out of china are they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. The that. Chinese are ta- are getting credit for sending doctors to Europe while they also kick foreign journalists out of China because they don't want people to know how they're treating their own Chinese people. Perfect. Uh, so they erect hospitals that are supposedly awesome, but then also don't want you to know what's going on there. Nice. Sounds a little like Cuba, yeah. um, but uh, not to go down the Cuba rabbit hole. Uh, in Europe, Italy still pretty much shut down. Uh, good friend of mine, actually, she ate here. Uh, uh, Chechi, who is a chef. Nice. In uh, in Italy, um, is still quarantined, so like nothing is going on uh, over in Italy right now. The uh, the Danes have their own take on how to do this thing. They're everyone's got their own way that they think is right. Exactly. Okay. Um, and and that's I think you know sort of before we get into what your experience has been, which is going to be the bulk of this episode, just to give people a sense of at least your little slice of the restaurant world and what that's looked like through this uh, through this pandemic. Uh, my own personal, like, I'm going to take some editorial privilege here. And well, insert, it's your show. Right, you're in co. Uh, <laughs> so, blue ribbon notwithstanding. Uh, I think it's important to... Social media makes everybody an asshole. Uh, and I, mean, I, yes. I, I think that there's a lot of, like, if somebody's not informed or if somebody says a thing that you see as being incorrect, uh, it's just a lot of, like... You're an idiot. I'm going to treat you like if you're denying that the virus exists. Uh, this is a very new thing. None of us are experts here. Everybody's trying to figure it out. And not only that, but experts disagree. Case in point, here in the U.S., if you suggest that people should be out and about and trying to maintain some kind of normalcy, you're treated like if you – and I'm not saying that's my position, but you're treated like if you're some kind of like a virus denier. Right. Meanwhile, the Danes, which a lot of people in this country want to emulate their approach to healthcare. I think only have curfews and, and stay-at-home orders for people over the age of 60. The idea being, well, younger people are not as susceptible to death, so let's see if we can like get this virus out of the way with younger people who will survive it and then only protect older people. My point being, there's a lot of different approaches, a lot of different ways to skin this cat, and it's important to keep in mind that everybody is just doing what they think is in the best interest of themselves and the people around them. Well, uh, I think it's important, sorry to cut you off, yeah, yeah. but I think it's important to notice, like, 
something I've said a million times is that there is no playbook to the way that this is supposed to work out. There's no method of procedure. There's just kind of like we are living in a world in which we have never dealt with before and we do not know how to handle what's happening tomorrow. I think that's the best way to put it because everyone can say that, well, this is the way that you're doing it, which is fine. But at the end of the day, everyone's got a different approach to how this should work out, right? This episode is brought to you by La Caja China. Chef Michael Beltran, what is a Caja China? Well, let me tell you about La Caja China, everyone. La Caja China is the ultimate pig roasting box. It's your one-stop shop for all things pig roasting. And maybe also roasting other things. You can also roast vegetables. Oh, nice. You- La Caja China was established in 1987. They're a family-run business made right here in the U.S. and A. Mike, seriously, though, explain the Caja China. The Caja China is the ultimate box for roasting pigs. No, seriously, though, I, I've been using La Caja China for a long time. I've been friends with the family forever and a day. They do an incredible job. at. They really, like, they created a product that maximizes the whole idea of the pig roasting box. So basically, it even says like instructions on the side of the box for the people that really like, they just, it makes it hard to mess it up. Like size of the pig that you're roasting, how long you should be roasting it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But on top of that, they have other things and features that you can add on to the box that, you know, you could do extra things. Like, you know, I've with the grill attachment on top, I've grilled a 26-pound snapper before for a party. It was I was an ambitious move, but it worked. Um, and I have roasted, like, several vegetables inside or on the coals, etc. I mean, you could do a lot of stuff with it as long as you're paying attention. And they also just started uh, selling, what do you call it, the, the grill Rotisserie. attachment? No, 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 but it's not a rotisserie. It's the one that lifts and lowers the, yes. the grill grates. Yes. There's a name for that. Yeah, no. I, don't, I mean, if there's a name, I actually don't know it. But okay. It's the, but they do have that. That's cool. Bam, bam, bam. There you go. You can find La Caja China on Instagram at La Caja China BBQ Grills. That's <laughs> at La Caja China BBQ Grills. Walk-in specials at their store, which, by the way, is at 7395 West 18th Lane in beautiful Hialeah, Florida. Hialeah, Hialeah. Visit, visit our friend Kush over there at Stevens Deli when you go. There you go. So, again, like LaCajaChina.com. Roast your pigs in it and then post your pictures and tag... La Caja China BBQ Grills. Yeah, and tag Pancom Podcast, too. Tell them we sent you. Tell them that we sent you, that this paid-for advertisement actually fucking worked. Tell them Blue Ribbon Chili winner <laughs> Michael Beltran sent you to La Caja China BBQ Grills. Bam, bam, bam! Right, and everybody, I think, you know, you got to respect people who are just trying to figure it out for themselves. You know, right. you got your responsibilities, your family, your staff, all of that. So that's as good a segue as I think we're going to find. Sure. Into, good intro. Into the bulk of what this episode is going to be, which is uh, to give people listening to this a view into what you've been through specifically and your company has been through specifically, uh, rather than sort of like pontificate and prognosticate on sure. uh, what the whole world looks like. Maybe so uh, in your own words, take as long as you want. What has happened for uh, Arc Hospitality? Uh, when did new, you... New name group, by the way. Ariad Hospitality Ariad group. Hospitality. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I I don't know. It, it all... It, it's happened, like, rather fast, right? I mean, 
last week it was like, well, I think things are happening. Something's happening. And then I think quickly when we got to Sunday afternoon, uh, kind of the ball dropped and essentially everything changed. And I, I don't know what flipped at that moment, um, but, you know, we saw the world changing and which is like, you know, New York is shutting down 50 percent occupancy of restaurants. Um Philly, New York, Chicago, L.A., like all those things were happening, which are major markets like we are. And we said, well, this is definitely going to get to uh, get to us. Um, and not only is it going to get to us, but we need to we need to act fast. Um, you know, there was a moment on Sunday uh, when I spoke to all the chef managers in the company. and we We're like, all right, you know, we're going to put together like a small order to get to Monday and we're still going to be open. And then quickly, I don't know, around 930, uh, I was actually at like a family dinner and I was like, man, what the fuck am I doing? Just cancel everything. Restart. Reset. Just do just don't like think about um, what you would normally do, because this is not a normal situation. So I, I literally called Chef Veronica, which is like the boss of the company. Uh, and I told her, I said, you know, get all the orders for the, for, for tomorrow and cancel them all. And if we don't have time to cancel them all, just tell them that we're going to turn them away. And I spoke to chef Justin and Nave and I spoke to everyone at Chugs and Lenya at that time had already been closed. Um, you know, the time on market made a decision because Miami beach was the first kind of like one to like close everything down. Timeout market for those who don't know is a, a food hall. Yeah, several locations all over the world. Yes, but Miami Beach here. Yeah, so we uh, we made that decision collectively of we're just gonna we're gonna not order anything, and then we all met again on Monday, and we said, you know, like uh, there's a good chance that by Wednesday, which are we we're at Wednesday right now. Yep, today is Wednesday. By Wednesday, we would uh, be shut down, and that's exactly what happened. So, you know, we had to rethink the way we operate at all um you know we have about 140 employees total in the company and we had to furlough a lot of them um you know we had to talk to managers chefs talk about like you know what's essential to kind of like putting this together and like rethinking what we're going to do at all um because this is not like there's no there was no plan for this it's not like everyone's like, well, you know, you went through the hurricane, you know, like that was a natural disaster, but the hurricane passed. Like, you know, we lost power. We parked the food truck in the front. We cooked fritas for five days, but this is not the same. This is like unprecedented. We don't know what's happening. Right. Um, So we kind of stopped everything and we restarted. Um, And a lot of that restarting uh, had, had to happen collectively as a group. I think that, you know, we benefit of the fact that we have like an extremely strong management team, you know, both in the kitchen and in the front of the house. And it's people that we all sat at, ta- sat at a table together and said, you know, how what is the best way for us to get out of this together? You know, the person that was the chef de cuisine last week is a good chance that you're going to be flipping burgers. You know, the person that was just the pastry chef, there's a good chance that you're going to be doing other things like today. Chef Devin made empanadas that were delicious, um, you know the food that we have, how do we repurpose that to be more comforting? We're no longer a fine dining brand, you know, uh, essentially we all are an extension of chugs, right? Which is a more comforting brand. How do we, how can we still be here for the community and still do our job? 
um, and still like have some semblance of like regular life. Cause you know, as we sit here at what time is it? Six thirty, six forty-five. we're sitting essentially in two empty restaurants that right now would have a good amount of people in them. So how do us as a, a restaurant company continue doing what we do in a totally different world? Cause today the world is very different. Yep. The world is not the world where we're at a month ago. Um, you know, we, we're, we're living in a time that it's like, what's going to happen tomorrow? The only thing that we know how to do is cook, right? We know how to provide a service. And all we can really do is try to be that comforting backbone for people. And all at the same time, how do we, like, what do we do about our employees? You know, like, I'm not just going to say, hey, you know what? You guys, you're good. You know, you guys can wait. There's more. Like, we need to, we, me, mm-hmm. uh, and my partners, we need to sit here and be like, all right, so what is the government offering for these, this hourly labor because now they're out of a job yeah you know like how can we assist them in rent abatement mortgage abatement how can we assist them in any which way because you know there's a good chance that maybe that there's things that they don't know how to do that maybe my partners that you know one's an accountant one's an economist they all know how to do that shit i don't even know how to fucking do so how can we better be there for them if they have any questions or concerns or i don't know just overall worries can we help them in that um, in that regard. And it's really been five days of just planning for things that I never thought I would have to think about. Um, you know, and it, some tough decisions, you know, laying people off, putting people on holds, putting plans on holds. Um, and all at the same time, you know, like, uh, I mean, we have a restaurant that's brand new, you know, five months old, Navi's five months old, like, uh, People ask me, it's like, well, are you guys going to reopen? Like, of course we're going to fucking reopen. Like, that, I think that's been the biggest thing for me is like when I realized that the ball dropped here for kind of like the world was like, all right, we're going to get through this. Yeah. How do we get through this? How do we plan to not be operating for two months? How do we plan to not be operating for three months? What are the worst case scenarios across the board for everyone? You know, like. What, what is there like a four step process we could do financially to set ourselves up for being OK? I mean, yeah, I mean, we've thought of every single angle. There's probably shit that we haven't fucking thought about yet. But there, you know, we're trying to set ourselves up for something that I never imagined would, you know, sitting at my desk. And I was like, well, before I was like, oh, we need to make recipes for these things. Now I'm trying to make a recipe to continue to say that we're going to make it out of the other end of this. Yeah. You know, like. I called all of our employees and I uh, spoke to them, you know, a little bit about where we're at, why we're at, where we're at, you know, plans, um, you know, things we're trying to do for them. And really, there's no like amount of um, no amount of like support we can give them now because this is a time that like no one really knows, you know. Um, But what I did ensure them is that they will all have a job when we're out the other end of this. You know, they all will have employment when we open again because the world will reopen. Um, Right. We just don't know when. So, you know, like, what have we put in place uh, to make sure that we do that? I mean, the list is super fucking long. So Um, let's let's kind of run people through a little bit chronologically. We don't have to give people dates or anything. Sure. Give people a sense of what that progression has looked like from normal to now because there were some in-between steps there uh, 
and I, I think it would be good to run through that because you mentioned earlier that, and it makes perfect sense, you haven't really had time to get a sense and keep tabs on what, you know, your peers in food, not just in Miami, but anywhere, are, are really up to. Right. Uh, so this might be a good opportunity to give people who are in your position a sense of what one of their peers has been through. Uh, and, you know, to the extent that that's useful, uh, maybe gives them ideas, maybe they share ideas. Yeah, you know, like we... Um pretty fortunate that uh the community of miami is like super strong right we we we're living in a time i think of miami food and i spoke to someone else about this yesterday that it's like we were seeing the community like really come together and really band together before this happened to put together like a great community of food and beverage right and now it's not just a community of food and beverage of trying to put out great food and support farmers now it's supporting each other like how what are you doing to get through this what are the ideas that you have? What are the ideas that I have? And yeah, like you said, I haven't had much time to talk to many people because, I mean, fuck, it's been like I've been very worried about what's happening just on this block of Coconut Grove and, and the little restaurant that's two blocks away. Like, how do I take care of these people? But we've kind of put together a couple, <clears throat> um, you know, like uh, chats. There's one chat that's like 120 people deep of food and beverage people uh in the entire city and it's just like you know what are they doing today was the first day that everyone went to like delivery only how do your deliveries look what are you doing differently how can we better like our delivery system are you seeing more takeout are you working through some kind of um i don't know service uber eats postmates grubhub whatever the fuck it may be or are people doing more curbside um you know i know for us personally we had a ton of wine like a ton um and the first thing I think of when I think about creating cash flow is liquidating your inventory. Like, how do we liquidate our inventory and at the same time, you know, bring dollars into the house so we can better support ourselves? So we're liquidating our wine and booze because we actually can do that through our liquor license. And, you know, we're selling it to people and people are coming and fucking buying it, buying a lot of it. <coughs> um, you know, we're fortunate enough to be uh, Ariat Nave being a building that's got uh condos and townhouses behind it something like 80 residents maybe something like 70 to 80 residents and it's like hey listen you know we don't just do fancy food you know we're doing lasagnas we're doing cantina we're doing you know philly cheesesteaks and burgers and pasta bolognese and whatever you know this is a it's a fucked up time for everybody so what do you guys need we're here for you and it's not like for us it's not just a money thing like yeah we need money to survive but I think the most important thing when you talk about community is that when you're there for them in the hard times, in the good times, they will remember. You know, so like when the hurricane hit, I had a line of people buying fritas and quesadillas, you know, and that's not really the food that we do. But I mean, it is. But that's not the focal point. Yeah. Uh, and those people, I, I've seen them here 30 times since that food truck, you know, and I feel like. The people now that are supporting us the most, I'll see them again when this is over with. Uh, so, you know, I've, I think a lot of the conversations that are happening within other owners and people in the food and beverage community are like, what is the government doing for us? Are there plans? Are there things that we don't know? Because, you know, like not all chefs know how to fill out these uh, interesting government documents that they want us to file for essentially what is a $50,000 loan for a small business that we essentially need to fucking pay back. What about the Florida Department of Revenue saying that they need their sales tax in two days? Who the fuck wants their fucking sales tax right now? 
the fucking world is crumbling and you want your fucking sales tax for fuck's sake i had someone yesterday telling me on the phone was like they're still expecting their sales tax in two days tell them to go fuck themselves i don't know like this is the world that we live in you know and it's like that's what you should send them instead of the form just a little go fuck yourself i don't know i mean really what we've heard of hi chef evans here here. hey hey what is this more hi say hi to everyone Hi. <laughs> it's Frida and Crinky. Oh man, Who you're is? the devil and the and um yeah, you're the best. So Devin's been trying to get on this podcast for like yeah. a long time. Yeah. I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> that, that there is no doubt. Okay, bye. Bye, Devin. <laughs> um Yeah. Some people have filed and reported zero to give to them, but yeah. you know the fact that I know someone that was on the phone with them yesterday, and they were like, yeah, you still got to pay in two days. <laughs> the world is stopped, but you're worried about your taxes. I don't know. It's just, I think that's a lot of the conversations that we've had. You know, like, what of the things that you've done have benefited you, benefited you the most? Like, what, can we do this better? Like, what are you doing with your employees? Because it's a lot of, like, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, th- I think one of the things, and I, I, don't, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but I, I think that, and this coming from, from my own perspective. Sure. I tend, I think that the best thing that most people can probably do is to think about how they can add value. Sure. You know, and that's yeah. a lot, that's a lot of what you were talking about. Like people's situation has changed. They're no longer going to a restaurant, but you're going to be at home. That means you're in a different situation. You're eating a different kind of food. How can we add value to that rather than saying like, and again, this is just me speaking for myself, rather than the message being, you know, support us because you should more like hey we have this thing to offer you that's worth taking your time and your resources and your money and and putting it into and i think that's the approach that everybody should take not just food and beverage um so you mentioned that you were in uh in that chat with a lot of people i don't know who those people are i don't know if they're a lot of great people a lot of great people yes. the best people my favorite people there you go not the best your favorite that's right yep uh so Talk a little bit about uh, what you thought, to the extent that there's been any of that. Have there been any ideas thrown around in there that you found especially interesting, whether you've implemented them or not, whether you thought they'd work for you in particular or not? Um, and I'm talking more on the no, side of like I, the, of, the of only reason that I would say offers, the not. only reason I would say no is because I, I think that this company we're like very fortunate that we have like two restaurants with a large management staff that's like right next to each other. They're like directly right next to each other and two rent- two like restaurants and two infrastructures together will benefit each other more. We can sure. do more. So, you know, and then um, you got chugs down the road too. and chugs down the road. So it's like, how do we each help each other? Like, can we turn this into a croqueta and sell it over there? Can we put this on a pizza and sell it over here? Can we turn this into a sandwich and serve it over here? Can we do this as cantina? Can we serve this to the people upstairs? Like, what if we put this in a pasta? Like there's so many, so many, there's so, so much things that we could do here because we have just uh, so much infrastructure. And I go back to that because when we uh, kind of like restructured the whole company, that was something that I was big on. Create an infrastructure just in case something terrible does fucking happen. And now we're here. How do we how do we help each other? And, you know, today I had several meetings with people and it was like, listen, you know, you no longer just make bread. 
you no longer just make pastries. We need to be more creative. Just like Devin brought me this delicious empanada, which uh, this is the third one I've eaten today, or second one, and you know, they're delicious. This is just talking about being creative and how can we be more comforting for our clientele? How can we be there for people more? So, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of people send messages to the governor. I've seen a lot of people send messages to Trump and whoever it may be. You know, eventually they're going to have to listen. Um, they have no choice because money is going to stop flowing. And the only way that a lot of people pay attention is when the money stops. And that's the sad fucking truth. Like the sad truth isn't just like they see people struggling. The sad truth is they see see people stop spending fucking money. Because that's the fucking truth. When people stop paying rent, when they stop paying mortgage, when when uh, restaurants are like, hey, listen, your rent this month, the next month, good chance it's not coming. Uh, when they start saying, hey, the sales tax are going to stop. The entire fucking country is at, at a standstill right now. Because here's the thing. The government said for the better of health, everyone needs to stop operating as a restaurant. Right. What they didn't do is like all your employees, this is the plan for them. They didn't say that. Right. What they said was, is that, you know what? Time out. Stop doing what you're doing. Okay, fine. What now? Right. There was none of that. There's none of that. Like, let how? Okay, this is what we're going to do for you. And listen, I'm sure somewhere they're brainstorming with their gigantic fucking brains about how to fucking help us. But right now, I don't have fucking faith in that. So I'd rather make sure that I'm okay and that my people are okay and that I'm going to try to get them out of this because I don't have faith in them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that part of the problem there, and I, I agree with you, that they want to, you know, implement this one thing to solve problem X with, but that, that assumes that each problem exists in a silo, in a vacuum. It's not sure. connected to a million other things. There's no end to that chain. You can't, you can't solve that problem all the way through because then if you do something like, okay, well, your employees go off and then we're going to offer them relief with rent abatement or we're going to offer your, your restaurant relief with rent abatement. Some of that stuff assumes that every landlord is swimming in cash. Just, you know, then it's not, they're not going to feel it themselves if, if, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. In the state of Washington, there was a petition to, I forget the mayor of what city, uh, calling on the city government to suspend all uh, residential rent payments. Sure. I'm thinking of somebody like my grandmother who can only afford the hospice care she's getting because of her rental income. Right. Not every landlord is a fucking tycoon with a monocle. You know, sitting around, yeah, yeah, waiting for cash they can burn from from their from their sure. fucking tenants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the same thing is true in some career in some commercial real estate. That may or may not be your situation. I don't know. Uh, but in some cases, you know, so there are restaurants whose landlords are retirees that that's their investment property that they're only feeding themselves because they got a fucking restaurant in the thing. So what do you do when that person comes calling for their government check? Right. And there's no end to this thing, and that's why I'm saying the only thing that we can be sure of. Uh, or the only thing that we have full control of is moving closer and closer in the direction of each individual offering value to the people around them. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, that's part of why, I mean, not to, you know, this is probably the least important uh, thing in, in the world right now, but I think that this podcast can do that for some people, right? Sure. Like, there are probably a lot of chefs and restaurateurs out there who have heard from nobody, who haven't heard one of their peers talking for 20, 30, 40 minutes mm. about this problem. Yeah. This benefits them. Now you can be in your car. You can sort of like at the very least commiserate, if not 
feel like there's a little bit of a one way because this is a, we're not on a phone call, right. but brainstorm with somebody who's kind of in their position who can relate. I mean, the, like, but it's what we go back to the whole time. And I would say, and I'm not, definitely not going to make an excuse for them, but everyone is in the same situation just like we are, which we don't like. This is a first ever time something like this has happened to us. So there is no plan of attack. So when you say to the government, hey, this is where they're at, they're like, well, we don't know what the fuck to do either. Right. And that's the truth. They don't know what the fuck to do either. But it would be better to say that than to say, we don't know what the fuck to do, but shut down your business. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. not sure what to Wouldn't do. Wouldn't you prefer well, the government say, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would I would appreciate like a semblance of honesty. Right. Right. Like that's a semblance of like, no, well, we're working on plans. What the fuck does that mean? It's just like, I always go back to that fucking news conference that Trump had yesterday. And they were just talking about... Uh, Today, we were on a phone call with all the major restaurant groups in the country. They were on the phone with McDonald's and Darden. That's it. Those restaurants have more interest in real estate than they do in actually food. They don't give a fuck about food. I think they give a fuck about food and their hourly employees. They don't give zero fucks. They care about their fucking properties. Property value. That's nice. Property value. These they guys, can, I think they no, haven't even heard of no, Corona. Those guys are doing fine. <laughs> That, you know, they care about their property value. Like, do you think they really care about their hourly employees and the food that they're serving? They don't. How how do you think that this is going to affect the farms? The farms in Homestead that literally, like, I buy $1,000 of produce from one farm every fucking week. I'm not going to be able to do that now for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the point. I do think that this is a, this is an especially, this is a situation where, in my view, the placement of extra value and this is why i'm saying this is why i sort of keep harping on the idea of how can each of us bring value because when when a hurricane hits yes (laughs) i don't know what that was that was matt kusher oh there you go someone needs to give him a job right now and get him (laughs) back to work because that's he's just loser lapping coconut grove right now to see what's happening he should probably hook up with captain kush see if he needs a (laughs) second Yeah, uh, but you know, if a hurricane hits a particular place, uh-huh. then you have these multinational corporations. Uh, let's say that you're a food chain. Even using McDonald's as an example, sure, usual. If your stores are corporate owned, which is not always the case, we're talking about franchisees a lot of the time. Sure. But if your stores are corporate owned, you don't necessarily, in a situation like this, have the luxury of saying, "Well, the hurricane didn't hit New York, LA, and Chicago." So let's reallocate resources. In this situation, everything is hit. And it's not just the food. If you do have real estate property, the value of that is taking a hit too. You're not going to start selling off your real estate uh, because somehow the real estate market is going to buoy your food business. At the end of the day, when, when, when this sort of thing happens, the guy who's delivering Miller Lite may be delivering a national product. But that guy lives here. That guy's local. The guy who's flipping the burgers at McDonald's, he's local. Yeah. This is not to say that I have a solution. It's just everybody's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's why and that that's yeah, why don't I think, think it, don't you think it would be better? Don't you think it would be better if a guy like uh, the president of the United States had conversations with some of the like real restaurant tours like Tom Colicchio's of the world, like the David Chang's, like the Jean George's, whether you like them or not, maybe these guys have 40 restaurants around the country or the world, and they control a lot of this 
I would I would say maybe like second tier restaurant market that's not like these big the big big conglomerate guys like the big ones the gigantic the McDonald's the Burger Kings the Dardens those people that they they have a lot of influence in our community so why not talk to them yeah maybe and listen I'm no Trump fan I I didn't vote nope. for him I don't anticipate no voting for him this time you're around a Trump fan. no 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 I know but but I'm gonna sound hey. to some people like I'm making excuses for him my preference is for Trump to get the fuck out of the way to just <sighs> if you have a CDC do your CDC thing. But you haven't heard from Trump, but have you heard from your city and county commissioners? Who? Anyways. No. That's what I'm saying. I haven't. Why hasn't that? Because Trump at least has the excuse of, oh, I'm the president. Who? What's these people's excuse? Right. Why haven't you heard from them? I agree. To the extent that you're going to get rent abatement, why not say something like, hey, why don't you suspend property taxes? Yes. And let these people pass, just ensure if you want to like mandate it. But hey, you know what? You get a property tax credit. If you give these people a break on their rent or some shit like that. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know that that's a perfect solution. No, but, but there is no perfect I, solution th- right now. We all – I think that everybody likes to put the uh, the emphasis – are we not getting that in the shot? <laughs> <laughs> Taking a bite from this uh, empanada. It was good. You can have half. Thank you, man. Uh, thank you. Don't thank you. Thank Devin. Uh, <laughs> th- thank you, Devin. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the more lo- – and that is where I think local has value. Not so much in the sense of like, oh, this company's local and we're going to treat these other people like outsiders, but more like you are a person here. Hmm. And that puts you, not you specifically, but that puts this hypothetical person in a better position than, say, Trump or than, say, Colicchio. Because Colicchio doesn't know your fucking problem. He's not here. He's not in the Grove. You're in the Grove and your commissioners are in the Grove and your mayor's in the Grove. Yeah, but I would say that a restaurateur like that has a better idea of my problems than, like, McDonald's. Of course. But he's in the communities he's in. So sure. I think it's better for – there are enough brains here mm. that – and I think that people here know this neighborhood well. We were just talking before the mics came on about uh, Threefold Cafe, which I don't have a relationship with Threefold. I don't know that you do either. I don't. Um, but they, for instance, just started doing um, – treating their brick-and-mortar space as sort of like a market grocery. Uh, which I thought was a very cool idea to the extent I don't know how successful or you know good an idea it is, but I hope it works out for them. Me too. Um, but that's the sort of solution that I thought, like, this is where local really matters. Whether you're a chain or not, this individual brick-and-mortar location knows that that works there because it doesn't work in my neighborhood. You can't be in West Kendall and tell people, come here to get your eggs instead. I'm not going to. But if you're one of the many people who lives within a few blocks, you can walk to Threefold and buy a carton of eggs from them that they source from wherever they source it. Mm. Uh, that's the sort of solution where I think local does become useful. Um, and I I don't think that really at the end of the day, the federal government that everybody is putting 100% of their focus on really has much to say about that. That's not to say that what Trump says doesn't matter. No, I mean, I, I mean we need to matter. see more out of our, our local and state government. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I think that them – Helping the local and state community first is definitely the most important thing. But we also haven't heard shit from them. Right. You know, again, loan programs. Right. $50,000 per business, which for restaurants, not much. You know, I mean, you know, the the sad fact and the sad reality is that every restaurant is like one payroll away from closing. You know, they're like payroll, um, Food costs, those are like the two underlying things you hear all the time because they're the biggest things we spend money on. You know, as long as you do the right thing with your rent and do the right thing with all the other fixed costs that you have, 
Those are the two biggest things that you can control. So right now you're talking about if a restaurant hit this point right now and all their payroll from the last two weeks that they were operating is due on Friday and there is no sales this week, if you didn't properly set yourself up, you're in trouble. Like You need to come up with however big your restaurant is, basically a payroll for two weeks. So it's like, how are we... Um, so we have uh, one Matt Kusher. Oh, is he on? Chiming it? in, saying a uh, loser lapping. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he did do a loser lap. We also have uh, Chris Hughesby chiming in over here. Uh, yeah, it's true. Most people in America can't afford a four hundred dollar emergency, and that's sure one hundred percent accurate. Now you're talking about people, and the whole world is at a standstill. Every hourly employee just got put on stand. What about like, and restaurants is one thing because look. We're still, we're, we're still selling pizza right now. Chugs this morning was still selling cafe con leche, croquetas, and pastelitos for people that wanted to come pick it up and leave. But what about, like, the retail market? Like, people that have, um, I don't know, a clothing store in a mall or a um, luggage store. Imagine, imagine we were just talking any, about cigars a little while ago. I know. Imagine anything that has to do with tourism. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole tourism market. like Hotels. Um, Get the fuck out of your hotels. You're talking about the Fountain Blue laid off everybody. I mean, the whole fucking staff. You know, restaurants that had staffs of 200, just, okay, tomorrow, we're closed. And there's no plan for tomorrow. So it's like, we need better leadership now. We need better guidance now. Because truthfully, I can only help lead and guide my people. Which is a lot. What do you mean? No, no, no. It's a, I'm saying that that... I wouldn't minimize the impact. Oh no! I mean that this that your corner of the world has. That's that's people. Yeah, no, it's, those are it's, real people who have who that what you're doing affects the people they engage and transact with too. Sure. I mean, I say it like it's just the hardest thing about the, the job. Like cooking is easy. Cooking, food, that's the easy part. It's being responsible for the livelihood of 150 people. Right. Making sure that they get their checks every week. Making sure that you're running a solid business, whether they agree with you or not. Because let me tell you, 90% of the time, your employees don't always agree with you, and it doesn't matter. What you're doing is the fact that you want to run a solid business. Is that a little business. bit like a 60% of the time, it works all the time? Yes. 90% of the time, they don't always agree with you? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> 90% of the time, they don't always agree with you. But what you want is to be stable, create stability, you know? And now, we're in a very... Uh, it's like a seesaw every day. It's like, I'll tell you emotionally and physically, it's like every day is like, so, okay, so what's going to happen today? What's going to happen tomorrow? Like, my vibe Sunday morning was not my vibe Sunday night. You know, Sunday morning, we opened up for brunch. We, those people, and I was like, ah, you know, it's okay. Sunday night, it was like DevCom 5 for me. You know, I literally was sitting in the middle, Indian style, in the middle of the street, calling people because i was like we need to change everything the way that we're thinking about everything yeah so let's uh let's kind of wind down here maybe a more optimistic note or at least a little bit different um before we turned the mics on we were talking about the fact that you know the regardless of whether some of these ideas were germinating in your head from a long time ago this sort of became a, a kick in the ass um that spurred a lot of people to make a lot of changes Maybe bring new things into their business model. Obviously, forcibly remove certain other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say you have uh, learned or gained or tried that you see uh, becoming a new part 
of your business when this whole thing is in the rearview mirror. Fuck. And that, that, that could be a product, but it could just be like a way of thinking about a thing or whatever. You know, uh, we, I mean, there's certain programs that we didn't have time to put in place before. You know, Chugs is doing Cantina now to f- serve families of four to six. Um, you know, those are things that we wanted to try doing before. Honestly, I'm not totally sure. Cantina, by the way, for our fans ah, in for our uh, fan. Salina. Salina. And we have, in the, uh, there's somewhere else in the middle of nowhere. Uh, traveling Cuban American nurses in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yep. That's interesting, Minnesota. I'd like to hear from you, Minnesota. <laughs> Talk to me. Uh, so, yeah, what are some of the things that you've, that you've maybe learned or, or picked up or, uh, or maybe just considered that you hadn't considered before but that you see being a part of uh, – uh, so this, uh, by the way, on Instagram, not so Kuda. I don't know if you know who not so Kuda is. <laughs> I don't. Uh, if, this is like the third time he said this. I think he really wants us to say pan con pinga on the podcast. Uh, his local coffee store only had pan con pinga, and they ran out of pan. He's confused. It's 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 pan, not pon. P O N. That's good. Uh, so uh, pan con pinga. I appreciate his input at this time. Th- thank you, Kuda. Yeah, uh, or not so Kuda. So anyway, okay, sorry. Back to the question of like, what have you learned? What do you see being a part of the way that you do business or do your job or do whatever when coronavirus is behind us? Hopefully sooner rather than later. I mean, you, mentioned the, you mentioned the cantina. Oh, what is cantina? Sorry. That's okay. where we were. Yeah, I mean, well, we're not doing a traditional style. We're going to probably implement traditional style, but it's basically you give people a menu like every day and they choose if they want uh, food for like, um, if we're doing like, baked ziti and like salad and whatever on a Tuesday for a family of four they'd like to pick up on Tuesday and then on Thursday we're doing pizza night um, and they want a family meal plan pretty much actually you know it's funny because when I was a kid my dad worked a good amount my mom uh, was never like a, a home cook she worked also and um, we did cantina for years, and man, I fucking hated it. Whew. I hated it. I, it sucked. It wasn't delicious, like my grandfather's food, and I just never understood why we did it. So, it's something that we talked about a lot. Um, you know, can we do cantina in today's world differently? Uh, and now we're getting the opportunity to try to do it. You know, um, also like trying some new things, like doing empanadas and stuff like that. Chef Devin is like diving deep into a new bread program we have time now so uh why not i don't know what this question from matt uh kusher uh means but uh is mike's man bun bigger than nick's special purpose i don't know what i don't know what my special purpose is but if i have one i haven't found it and it's not pretty big i'd like to make an assessment right now it feels like matt's been drinking too much today he needs to take his ass (laughs) one one too many one too many He's take his ass home. Do a loser lap around the grove. <laughs> Do a loser lap around Matt, the house. everyone is empty. Go home. <laughs> Fuck. There's a virus out there. Yeah, man. Um, so, uh, all right. Let's um, just kind of wrap up with uh, what's next. What's on the horizon? Uh, and, and what haven't you figured out that you're working on figuring out and that maybe people can offer us some feedback on? Maybe somebody sees or hears this. Well, I think right now. Like, hey, this thing, I, I actually have something to say about it. Well, right now we're 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 steadfast waiting for the. Sorry, time out. Oh. Uh, Matt says your special purpose is your Johnson, idiots. <laughs> Let me see your Jeez. man bun. 
Yeah, it's bigger. <laughs> oh, Matt. Just go home, please. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I think right now we're just waiting to hear from local and state government to see what's next. Um, I'm still in the process of calling all of our employees to tell them about our plans. Um, and it's really just like a waiting game. Right now, Ariat, Nave, and Chugs, um, the restaurants are closed for dine-in. And we are under working under Ariette Hospitality Group and serving the community pizzas and burgers and things of that nature for people to feel some kind of like semblance of normalcy. Um, you know, Chugs will be open every day at 8 o'clock for coffee. Uh, the kitchen opens up at 10, you know, and we're just going to be doing our best to kind of like wait this thing out. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what's next, to be honest. All right. As always, we're going to end. Do you have recommendations? I do. So if you don't, I can pick up the slack here. I know yeah, you've you been. Yeah, you should probably pick up the recommendations. All right. So I'm going to make some recommendations. And maybe you'll, uh, maybe you'll take some of these uh, when you're home, Mike. So a couple things that I would recommend people watch now that everybody's uh, Netflix and chilling, as the kids say. Um, I Quarantine and chill. Is quarantine and chill. On, on the Twitter. When you're quarantining and chilling, uh, I saw... A Quiet Place, which is included in Amazon Prime, because I also want to be cognizant of the fact that people don't want to spend a bunch of extra money. Yeah, A Quiet Place was pretty fucking good. I had never seen it. It was awesome. Uh, I is, just uh, watched the new Star Wars. Which is the new one? The Skywalker one. Rise oh, of Skywalker. yeah? Yeah. Good? Very good. Recommend it? I do. Okay. And also, I'm going to recommend, if you want to do, there's no sports. Sports are done. Yeah, we're just following free agency. The Dolphins are now uh, 47 players away from actually putting together a good team. So, uh, but in light of the fact that there are no new sports, sports documentaries, maybe one way to get your fix. Uh, I'm always recommending UFC and MMA related things. Uh, there I'm sorry is a, for that. a 30 for 30 documentary. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, you could be sorry, but I come here because you guys pay for the pay-per-views. So. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I appreciate um, people like you. There's a, a documentary. It's one of the ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries called Chuck and Tito. It's about Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. Uh, that is a famous uh, UFC rivalry. And the thing that I think will be interesting to everybody about it is that it's uh, not only about these two guys. It's actually about a business that existed on the fringes that nobody wanted to accept and how these two characters sort of like through their lens, looking at the mainstreaming uh, and broader acceptance of MMA as a mainstream sport. I don't know if you know this, but they had, uh, before they went to commissions and started looking to get like legitimized by uh, uh, fight commissions in different states and all the rest of that, uh, UFC was like on the brink of total failure, of collapsing. Uh, Dana White and Zufa uh, bought the UFC for $2 million and years later sold for $4 billion. Nothing. Two million dollars. Chump change sold for, that for four billion dollars. So, uh, if you're into business documentaries and also watching people get punched in the mouth, and a, what I think is a really interesting story about a business that exists on the fringes becoming mainstream, which I think that there's a little bit there that would appeal to you, considering that you're doing your fancy fritas that people now think are pretty cool. Uh, check it out. Anything else? Or shameless plug time? Um, you know, um. If you're listening to this, I mean, just know that what is what's Matt Sorry, saying now? We have uh, no, no, no. This is uh, David Verhano, host of Step Into the Sandbox. Ah, yes. Recommending a uh, sports movie called 
marble races. It's about Marbula One racing. I assume that's rolling marbles around. I will be watching this. That sounds great. I mean, it's very akin to the the movie you were oh, watching sorry, the other Velocipaster. day. Velocipaster. <laughs> Velocipaster. This is great. If you love movies that are so bad they're good, Velocipaster oh. is about a priest who uh, who goes to China and uh, by means that I won't get into here, develops the ability to turn into a Velociraptor. Uh, and then uh, on the advice of his new friend who is a prostitute, goes off and fights both uh, drug trafficking and ninjas. Oh, my God. So uh, check that out, Velocipaster, on Amazon Prime. Uh, okay. Now that we're out of that. Um you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I, I plan to continue to podcast aggressively throughout this entire thing as long as Nick wants to keep on doing this. That may make you go to my house, though. That's fine. Okay. I mean, I got time on my hands. Cool. Now. So, um, you know, I really want people to understand that as bad as it seems, the there's a lot of really strong people in this community and we are going to make it out of the other end. And like all the uncertainty being out there, it's like. The amount of sacrifice a lot of people have put into their restaurants and their food and kind of like their expression. I mean, it's going to show more now than ever um, because people will fight to keep their restaurant business open. Uh, you know, like this is the livelihood of people and several employees. And, you know, that's why, you know, getting some kind of word or something from local and state governments is going to be pivotal right now. And, um, you know, I think that's just important to note. So that's all I got. That's the only recommendation I have now. Uh, all right. With that, you can find uh, Mike over here at Pig Inc. That's his personal thing on all the things. Um, he is uh, Ariette Miami, uh, Nave Miami, Time Out Lenya, uh, Taurus Beer and Whiskey House, Chug's Diner. Those are all the Instagram handles and all the rest. Uh, and then... This is cool. Uh, finally, follow Pankong Podcast at Pankong Podcast on all the social media things. Go to dademag.com slash Pankong Podcast. You can support what we're doing at dademag.com at patreon.com slash dademag. I know that this is not the time that a lot of people want to part with their money. It's as little as a buck a month, but even if you don't want to do that, I will let you know that during this quarantine time, there are hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of podcasts and videos and all kinds of stuff on DadeMag.com for you to check out. Uh, and also, our other podcasts that we produce might also be interesting to you in this time. If you get tired of hearing Mike, you can hear uh, Step Into the Sandbox, which is hosted by David Vidhano. That's interviews with creatives. Listen to The Dade Podcast. It's been dormant for a little while, but that's me uh, doing interviews. Oh, my... Uh, my battery just shut down all the Instagram Good. live people. Uh, that's interviews conducted by me. There's all sorts of stuff in there, including an interview with one-time uh, libertarian gubernatorial candidate for New York, Larry Sharp, um, and all sorts of stuff. There's all kinds of in interesting shit there. Uh, go check that out. Uh, that's it. That's all we got. Uh, follow Petey the Dog at Petey the Dog, P-E-A-T-Y, like a Petey Scotch, the dog on Instagram. He has interesting things to say about this, and he'll never get coronavirus. So there's that. That's it. We're done. Stay safe, people. Yep. Be good to each other.
Thank you.